Welcome back to another episode of Panthers Tracks. I'm Jonathan Alexander, joined by Ellis L. Williams, of course, as always. And we got a special guest for you guys. Uh, one of my good friends and former colleagues, Jonas Pope, the fourth who covers NC State and knows all about the Panthers first round draft pick. So we'll get him in here in a little bit, but let's start the show. Jonas, my man, been waiting for this day for a long time, man. The the tag team with you on something. Uh, I know. I feel like I feel like last night when Icky got drafted, like I did the emoji, the handshake emoji. I was I was passing him off to you because you know, I've covered him for the last couple of years, and and now he transitioned. And he he's all yours now. But yeah, man, it's good. It's good to link back up and do something. Absolutely, and that's why we wanted to get you on the show. But first, let's um, get into it, man. Ellis, you know we were together. Uh, we had our own little draft room uh, with the Observer staff. But as that draft board was going along, I promise you I probably said wow about 10 times because defensive players just kept coming off the board. Uh, as it was happening, take everybody who wasn't there through your emotions and your your reaction to it. Yeah, man. Despite me being there, I almost was living vicariously through you because your reactions were so genuine and so real in the moment. You were working on the laptop, and then when Sauce was the pick at four, I could tell you hadn't seen it yet, and I go, hey, brother, Sauce went at four. You go, Sauce went at four? <laughs> like, I'm telling you, bro. And, then, and, like, Stanley went at three, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. He was, he was the one who had me shook first, and then when Sauce, it was like, so the yeah. Panthers get a pick between the th- the top three tackle. I mean, well, the Giants had to pick, and then the Giants pick defense player. And I'm like, the Panthers get a pick through the top three tackles. Like this is crazy. Yeah, and I think Scott Fitterer summed it up perfectly. I mean, you could tell his authentic shock in five straight defensive players going in those top five picks, and then uh, Carolina all of a sudden has the draft start with them for a team that was clearly targeting an offensive player, and, and it's set up perfectly for the pick to be. Iki Kwanu, and now we're here having Jonas on. So it uh, kind of feels like divine intervention for y'all to have this moment and for a, a Charlotte kid to stay home, and I can't wait to hear more about him. I'm telling you, what, what were you thinking, Jonas, as you were watching on TV? So and I'll start off by saying I listened to the uh, the Twitter space you guys did ahead of the draft, so I knew like what I knew what Carolina needed, right? And I knew where kind of what the fan base was thinking and what you guys were kind of thinking because obviously you're, you're – they are covering the team. So as I'm watching, it's like, well, also, you know, there have been rumors that Icky could go number one. Um, so that kind of, you know, the closer we got to draft, start hearing more about Walker or Hutchinson. So, you know, I'm watching like defensive player, defensive player, defensive player, and it's getting closer. I'm also, I'm on Twitter, so I'm watching Twitter people reacting like, uh-oh, it's getting close to the Panthers, and what are they going to do? Are they going to mess it up? Like they had, they have what they need, but all three of the guys they need right there. Like you said, the Giants went defense. So when the Giants went defense and then the Panthers were on the clock, I think like, I think uh, the draft went to commercial. So it, it seemed like the, uh, yeah, it, it built up, you know what I'm saying? The tense, yeah. the tense moments kept building up. So I was like, man, like they, they got to do the right thing. Like they got to bring the best tackle home. Like who doesn't want to bring someone home? And so, uh, you know, people were out there who were in Vegas, they had the picks on Twitter before we were seeing them. So I saw somebody say, yo, Icky's coming home to the parents. And I was like, that's just a match. This is a match made in heaven. We we all won because, we, you know, we, we've covered this guy. I mean, I've covered it. We're passing off to you guys. And, you know, it, it's a win-win for the Panthers, for Icky, for the both observers. 
Uh, I think the fans are very happy with it. So it, it, was a, it was a big moment, big win for everybody. Yeah, I like Icky. And, like, we, we were, like, you know, as um, as the fifth defensive player came off the board, start, you know, I was texting with people. You know, everybody was texting with people in that room. We were just like, is this really happening? Like, are we serious right now? And, um, you know, I knew that um, – and we knew that the Panthers loved Evan Neal and uh, Icky. And, you know, those – it ultimately came down to, you know, that – top 30 visit that they had uh, with Matt Rule and, and, and Scott Fitter and the whole staff. And, you know, he commanded the room. Um, he, you know, they just loved him. Matt Rule talked about, they talked about everything from their favorite restaurants to blocking the three techniques. So he's just a guy um, that you love to be around. And I had a feeling that he was going to hit the ball apart after like speak, you know, you know, just, you know, hit it off with them after speaking with the people around him, uh, like his parents and his coaches. And he's the outgoing at a, person in the family uh he has a fraternal twin uh takes after his mom apparently and he's just a a, a happy-go-lucky kid um but when he turns on when he gets on the field he turns on a switch and Jonas you know full and well and that so I want to get into like the specifics what um you know in covering him for what you covered him from two seasons yeah two seasons uh 2020 and 2021 Tell me about what it was like covering uh, Iki Ekwanu. Well, you know, he's an offensive lineman, so they don't get a lot of – they don't get all the attention, you know, as quarterback receivers and running backs. But he was a guy – all right, for me personally, if I'm watching a state game in the press box, and they're usually watching the ball. But there were certain plays I'm like, I'm just going to watch Icky on this place mm-hmm. to see what he does. <laughs> like, that's that's the kind of attention that he 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 demanded – especially last season because he had all the hype coming you know, around him coming to the season. We all knew this was his last year because he was just that good. Um, you, you, you touched on the things about he commands the room. When we talked to him one-on-one, like, great guy. Like, you guys you guys are going to love him. Um, I talked to him one-on-one. Like you said, smiling all the time. He shows up to the press conference with his glasses on, a huge <laughs> smile on his face, always in a, in a good mood. But then I, I think back to a game I went to this year and – you know, we did. We, we go down to the field for pregame a couple of times, and you watch them warm up. I love doing it. Just kind of just like go, just watch players, just go through their routine. So especially offensive linemen, for whatever reason. For me, be a small guy, I like I like watching the linemen warm up. And he lines up in front of a teammate, just kind of get loose for a drill, and his boom is one hundred miles per hour, driving this dude five yards off the ball. You know, just in warm ups. And when you see that, he's like, yeah, this, this, he's a baller. He's, he he flips that switch, and he just dominates guys. And like you see him on the film, like. He's pancaking guys. He's pushing guys out of the way and then looking back and pointing at them. You know, super aggressive dude. Can really move, you know, for, for a 6'4", 310, 315-pound guy. He was just, like, on a on a tough sweep. Or if a running back's 15 yards down the field, it's rare that the offensive tackle is more fun to watch than the running back. You know what I'm saying? Like, you track where he's doing because if he hits somebody, he's still upright. You know he's looking for work, as I like to say. He's licking with somebody else, like to put on their butt. Like he, he, I've just never seen watch football. And just watch seeing so many people. Like I would have watched what this lineman is doing. So what did the running back is ten yards down the field? We would be in the press box. Like yo, did you see what Icky just did? Did you see what Icky just did? And we all turned to the TV like to watch the replay. And I, I remember talking to Ricky Person, one of his running backs, for a feature story I did on Icky. I was like, when you guys are in the film room, are you watching yourself, or do you guys just kind of sneak and look at Icky? He's like, no, one hundred percent of the time we're watching Icky just to kind of see what he did from play to play. And I mean. Again, we're talking about a lineman, not a tight end, not a receiver, not a running back or a quarterback. Like he he generated this kind of excitement playing left tackle 
uh, for NC State the last two years. That's crazy. Find the white side guy. And uh, L- Ellis, you know, it's funny. When I was uh, pre-writing the story, just in case they took him, I immediately thought of, um, you know, Panthers offensive line coach James Campen and what he looks for in a <laughs> in an offensive lineman, a real gritty mother. Had to stop himself. Had to stop himself. But let me ask you, you know, you you're an expert. You former football player, watch film, really good at breaking down film. What did you see? What did you really like when you watched the film and you watched the the highlights of Vicky? Yeah, he's a complete mauler. And and Jonas, I can see why you guys just became mesmerized by watching him even when away from the ball. Uh, His uh, backside blocks really stand out. Uh, Of course, he wins at the point of attack. uh, But he's a guy that is going to be able to run every scheme. Uh, The the Panthers have talked at nauseum about how they're going to install a downhill power run game uh, compared to what they were doing last year, which was more wide zone. And and from observing, Scouts I've talked to in my own study, Iki's going to fit it every system, but th- that power scheme, that downhill uh, style of run blocking fits him perfectly. He's a young man who has in- incredible footwork. There's things in pass pro that he's going to have to just learn the hard way, like like any rookie would going against uh, pre- premium defensive ends. Um, I was listening to Scott Van Pelt last night and Mel Kuyper came on and I'm going to use something he said, and then I'm going to give him credit here and just steal it for the rest of the time. He said, I watch players against AOGs, which stand for other occupation guys. And those are the players you, you want to see dominate. And, and Jonas, I can just imagine, you know, though, of course, you know, NC State plays in one of the best conferences in football and, and plays against quality competition. I'm sure he had plenty of moments against AOGs where he just dominated and it shows up on tape. And that's the type of explosion that you look for in a, a top 10 pick and a blue chip left tackle, a, a guy who's going to no doubt make it to a second contract and hopefully be in Carolina cementing that left tackle spot for a decade. So it's an exciting pick. The Panthers got their choice of the three. And I don't think you could have went wrong with any one of them, but you probably got the most well-rounded and, and probably the highest ceiling tackle in Iki Iquanu. Yeah. And and then aside from that fact, you know, you know, you got a, you got a great run blocker, great offensive tackle. Uh, he just seems like the type of guy that you want to build your franchise around. Yeah. You know? Can I, can I add to that real quick? I went to his yeah. pro day and uh, he, he didn't work out, which was disappointing because Jonas, I hear you on that. There's nothing like watching these offensive linemen move in real time. And it works, oh, my right? favorite thing to do. I love it. Right, dog. Like, it's just they are they are really giants out there. And he, I was just looking forward to those drills. And though we didn't get them, uh, he did talk to the media after. And before I get into that, he just got glowing endorsements from the entire NC State media relations team which is always a good sign right and then it was obvious why he did he came out he waited till all the nc state workouts were done because he didn't want to overshadow his teammates who of course were there to put on their own pro day and and try to hear their name call or pick up a a undrafted free agent contract uh that that self-awareness is is rare in a young man and i took note of that early and then just in the way he carried himself as we all know now talking to him and people around him uh just light happy go lucky cool calm and collective uh, in control, humble still, but knows, uh, understands his dominance and where he he fits in this whole equation. So I was just blown away by the level of self-awareness in this young man. 
And again, Jonathan, to your point, uh, the, the, athlete, the athlete is one thing that's obvious. He's the type of culture strengthener that any organization would love to have. And, and Carolina is lucky to have him now. Yeah. Jones, you got to take me through that picture that, that you posted. You know, I had heard about it, the infamous picture of uh, that Ethan Hyman, uh, one of my former uh, colleagues, yeah. photographer. Uh, who was puking over the guy, who was puking over the guy last year. Oh, so that, that, was, that was a season opener against South Florida. I mean, of course, it was hot first game of the season. Everyone's not – I mean, they're in good shape, but still, you're not in game shape. You know, yeah. So, no preseason, no exhibition of the games for college football. Um, so, uh, Ethan showed me this picture after the game. He's like, man, look at this. And first of all, we were kind of scared to put it out there because, you know, we're not very, you know, we're, not, we're all the way clear of COVID yet, and we still aren't. So, a picture yeah. of a player throwing up on another player wasn't <laughs> really great for optics. I was like, nah, man, we got we to gotta share this. This is too good. And so, yeah. I think he put it on – we didn't put it in the paper, I don't think, but he definitely put it on Twitter. And then yeah. Icky saw it and retweeted it. It was like, oh, I had too much Pedialyte before the game. Um so that's, that's what he said. I had too much media like before the game. But, yeah, that was, that was like the coolest picture ever. But, I mean, dude never came out of the game and probably – I mean, that's how you dominate the guy. You not only dominate him on the field, but then you throw up on him. So, like – You're blocking him and you're throwing up – and, you, and you're not missing a beat. You're throwing up on the guy, blocking him, and you're still not missing a beat. That, that yeah. photo is correct. But Ethan is an extremely talented photographer. So Yeah. and But, I mean, if, even for Icky to have a good sense of humor about it, saying, I had too much media like yeah. – Tweeted it. That's just how he is. I mean, he goes with it. He goes along with, with everything. I mean, easy to get along with. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 happy for you guys. You guys get him. You know, I, I'm sending him to you in good hands. I think. I think, I think we took care of him up here. But yeah. yeah no, nah, he's he's like you said. You use the word culture, man. He'll he, he's a guy you want to build your culture around. Like you don't have to worry about him. Like you guys won't have to check the police blotters every Monday to see if his name's in there, things like that. So you know, he 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 is a building block. Um, type of guy you want, you know, in your locker room. Even as, even as a young guy, um, yeah. to, to kind of change the culture. Yeah. And this was the first um, player to go um, top 10 at, at NC State since Mario Williams. No, Bradley Chubb. He went. No, Bradley Chubb went five and went five, 18 yeah. to the Broncos. Yeah. 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 So, you know, what does this mean for, for NC State's program? Let me ask you that. I mean, it's the, I think he is the third first round pick for Doran. Since Doran's been there, it's, it's about to be his 10th year. Uh, he's a three-star recruit. You know, Bradley Chubb was a two- or three-star recruit. Gary Bradbury was another Charlotte guy was a three-star recruit. Those are the three guys who had first round. If nothing else, it proves Dave Doran's uh, message that if you come here, we're going to develop talent. Like, you don't have to be a five-star and try to put you on the field right away. If you come here and, and, and do, it our way, do, it, do it our way, the right way, then you can achieve your dreams. And, like, the kids know that. Like, even if you talk to the guys who are about to be rising or fifth-year seniors, they say, you know, we we we've benefited from coming here and going through this program the right way. And like I said, Icky was a three-star recruit. That class of 2019 is probably Doran's best class. And Icky was like, I'm not gonna say afterthought, but he wasn't even like one, he wasn't even the top guy in that class. Mm-hmm. And then he's a first-round draft pick. So it just mm-hmm. goes to show like if you go there and buy in, then you can achieve your dreams and, and be on that stage and hugging the commissioner one day. He wasn't even the top guy in his family. Yeah, right. Exactly. He wasn't even the top guy in, in his house. So <laughs> his brother, go. his brother was considered the the top guy. And, yeah, and I, and I think one of the I think one of the announcers said it last night. I can't remember if it was Mel Kuyper or one of the other guys. It like it goes to show at that program, you know, coaching they coach you up there because you know they say Icky got better each year. Again, a three star recruit who was like the number nine or ten guy in their class, first one off the board, first officer player taken yesterday. 
um, is, is great for the program. It's a good – if Dave Dorn's bringing a kid in, he can just sit down and say, hey, look, look at Icky. He's a three-star recruit. No one knew this kid like that come out of high school. First offensive player taken after three years at NC State. You know, if you do it our way, that could be you. Yeah, that's big and a real good story. And um, can't wait to speak to him. As we're recording this, it's Friday. So, you know, we'll hear from from Icky later on today. Uh, but, you know, I know Jonas has limited time, and I wanted to thank him for coming on the show, man. You got to come back on the show, uh, you know, any anytime, whenever you're available, man. Maybe maybe the Panthers will draft somebody else from NC State in later rounds. We could do this again on Monday. Yeah, maybe. Got when you're running backs, they got there. two running backs in the draft. They, they need a running back. Yeah, Knight, Knight's still out there, so maybe. Knight, Richard around. Person, hey, there you go. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, well, thanks, Jonas, man. We'll talk to you later, man. Appreciate the time. I appreciate you guys, man. Okay, we're back. You know, day two and three, the entire draft is now over. And, you know, after their first-round pick of uh, Ikem Ekwanu, they they went out and got Matt Corral in the third round. They traded up to the 94th pick, used that third round they had in 2023 in, in their fourth round with the Patriots to go up and get Matt Corral. Uh, they also drafted Brandon Smith, uh, fourth round, um, Armare Barno, Cade Mays, uh, Kalen Barnes. Um, but it was an interesting uh, draft. And, in, you know, I think they addressed a lot of their major pieces. But let me ask you, what uh, what did you think of of what they did, especially, you know, draft trading up to get uh, Matt Corral there? Yeah, day two was fascinating. Just watching it play out in real time, of course, you know, staying in touch with uh, people in the know there on, on what and how this could ultimately unfold. And we really have a lot to unpack, right? Like, and we wrote about it, how it felt like Scott Fitterer was simultaneously flirting with a Baker Mayfield trade with the Browns while keeping his options open for a trade back into the, the second or third round. And ultimately that's what they did, right? They tabled their talks with the Browns and Baker Mayfield and pivoted to acquiring that 94th pick from new England and ultimately using it to select Matt Corral. So, you know, it's fascinating because this is really a cause and effect domino style draft for the Panthers that, you know, you don't really see often, but tends to highlight when teams are in positions of need at the game's most important spots, tackle quarterback. Everyone knew Carolina was going to go do something for a quarterback. It was just a matter of who and when. And when you look at the pick of Matt Corral, you did have to give up a future third, which, you know, Scott Fitterer said they want to protect future assets, but they did so for the most part by not having to part with a future first or a second, which that probably would have cost them had they moved into the second round. And I think the Panthers benefited from just some, some good luck in a, in a strange year where these quarterbacks fell and the options for the Panthers re- just remained open and they could use that leverage and, and slow play philosophy that they've been practicing since losing out on Deshaun Watson to take their time, not be too trigger happy and land a guy who they sound pretty high on. And, and for good reason, uh, the rest of the draft was a lot of the same in terms of what we saw Scott Fitterer do in free agency, build this team in the margins and attack positions in need. 
We knew they needed a linebacker. We knew they needed another body on the defensive line. More offensive line depth never helped, or never hurts, excuse me. And then, you know, another secondary guy or a returner is where we thought they'd wrap this up and they end up going to secondary guy. So, you know, they have been consistent on grabbing positions of need while targeting talented athletes. And, and that's highlighted by mostly what they did in the first and third round with the left tackle and quarterback selections, of course. Yeah. And you mentioned leverage with the Baker Mayfield and the Browns trade. I think they still have leverage. Um, you know, we asked, you know, Scott Fitterer, you know, does that take them out of the uh, veteran trade market? And he didn't really say for sure that they would. And then he said he would never put a definite on it. So, you know, I think it's still open. And I think right now, though, uh, I think it's unlikely that they would do it. But I think now, though, you see that, you know, if they if they were to pursue, if they did feel like they still wanted to pursue one of those players, then, you know, they're only going to take that person for, uh, you know, change. You know, yeah. if, if, if that price really comes out, they're not going to like they would have been more inclined, say they didn't draft Matt Corral. Um, or somebody else, they would have been more inclined to pay a little bit more. Now they don't. Now they don't have to because they don't need to, or they feel that they don't need to. Uh, so I think that I think that part was interesting. Um, you know, like the I think the Matt Corral getting him in the third round was really good and, and quality pick for them. Um, you know, I, I was a little more higher on Malik Willis. Uh, you know, but I think Matt Corral probably isn't that far from Malik Willis as Jonathan, far as talent. Yeah, mm-hmm. let me ask you, Jonathan. At what point in the draft did you think, or even like, just if you would have been sitting there with Scott Fitter or, or being the GM of the Panthers, would you have went and made a move for Malik Willis? Because man, he was sitting there for the taking. Yeah, he was. I mean, I think they did the. I think once you determined that you wanted to trade for uh, a, a quarterback and you wanted to get up in the third round, and he was there in the third round. I think that's when I would have made my move, especially if I would have known that I would have given up a third round pick. Um, so I, I probably would have made my move early up there in the third round, as long as I didn't give up a second and a first is what I wouldn't, I would have never given up, you know, second and a first from 2023. Right. But if I could have figured out a way to get up with the, um, you know, with the third round pick to get up and get Malik Willis, I definitely would have done that. Now they may not have had any suitors right. um, that high, but um yeah, Malik Wills was a guy who I thought um, would have been real good to get. But Matt Crowell's pretty good. You know, he's shown, you know, he, a lot of people thought he was going to be a first round pick or, or early second round pick. And the Panthers got him for good value. And now they're not tied to him. You know, if it doesn't work out, the only thing I, um, you know, would worry about is are, are they going to be in the situation next year, year after that? Um, I, I still don't know what to make. I mean, well, I know what to make of Sam Darnold. He just hasn't been good. And I don't think he'll be that good um, next year unless, um, you know, everybody's healthy and he just, you know, figure Ben McAdoo figure out a way to help with his mechanics and things like that. And then is Matt Corral going to work out? Hopefully he does. Um, but again, I worry if they're going to be in this situation next year. Yeah, that is something that we're going to talk about all year long. Like, are the Panthers still in the quarterback market or have they found their guy of the future, right? And to me, I understand he's not on the team, but you know we're both going to be talking to people for for the foreseeable future, trying to figure out what kind of grade they actually had on Malik Willis 
compared to Matt Corral and how this team decides not to pull the trigger on Willis, but then lands Corral. And my gut tells me that when you watch the tape, I have a feeling the, the rankings between those guys weren't all that far off. You got to consider the system that they're bringing in and Ben McAdoo's up-tempo West Coast scheme. It's going to be about timing. It's going to be about quick releases. It's going to be about getting the ball in the hands of Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. And that's a skill set that Matt Crowell has proven at, that he has at Ole Miss. Yes, it was an RPO offense, but that quick release, that compact throwing motion is scheme proof. And he, you can see how he plugs in more naturally and more immediately into Ben McAdoo offense than what would have been Malik Willis, who, despite all the physical gifts and traits, you know, Malik is a, is a project still. And that's not to say Matt Corral isn't, but there are parts of Matt's game that are just going to translate immediately to the NFL just because he didn't do something at Ole Miss because he wasn't asked to doesn't mean he's incapable at the pro level. So I really see how this organization saw Matt Corral as a really good fit for what they're trying to do as for the future of this position. And if they're going to be in this spot next year, man, that comes down to a whole lot of factors, right? We'll get the schedule uh, coming out in about 10 days where we can then have a better idea of when those, where those wins and losses perhaps will come. Um, we'll get a, a chance to see Matt Corral at rookie minicamp. Next week, I believe May 13th is when they'll start that. And then this stuff will start uh, crystallizing more clearly. And it's all going to come down to what happens to Matt Rule. And we've got a whole offseason to talk about his future. But, a lot, you know, these head coaches are, are paired and, and married to quarterbacks. And even though it's just a third-round selection, this is the first quarterback Matt Rule's taken as head coach of the Carolina Panthers. And if this team wins some games next year and Matt Rule finds a way to keep his job for yet another season, then perhaps that bodes well for the Panthers, not necessarily being the quarterback search for next year because what they had ended up working out. Yeah. You know, one other thing is uh, interesting is, uh, you know, they, they liked Sam Howell too. Yeah. And, and Sam Howell didn't go to the fifth round. So they could have got Sam Howell without um, having a trade, but, you know, you know, obviously they like Matt Crowell a little bit more, but um, that part was interesting. Let me ask you this. Uh, where would you grade um, the Panthers draft uh, A through F? Yeah, I, it's a good question. I'm working on a story for that right now, just kind of rounding up uh, the national perception of this draft with my own uh, few cents and take on it. And I, I got to give them an A minus. And they only get the minus because of the lack of selections, I'd say. Like, they just had limited capital coming in anyway. And then some could say that, well, that proves that their draft was even better than what you anticipated because their degree of difficulty to acquire talent was higher. And, and to those who would argue that, I, I say fair. They also get an A-, minus, uh, <laughs> largely just because they had a lot of good luck. Right, man? Like, yeah. for those three tackles to be available at six, I, I know we talked about that and, and dove deep into it in the first segment, but I still can't believe that that's how it played out. And Scott Fitterer has been doing the rounds on uh, local media, said that they had a simulations, you know, thousands of, of, of ways they played out the first round and never were all three tackles there. And very rarely was Icky there. So to me, luck played a huge part of this draft. But – 
fortune favors those who meet luck and opportunity at a crossroad. And Carolina was ready to pounce on the fact that the tackles dropped. They were ready to pounce on the fact the quarterbacks dropped. And they landed two uh, high-quality prospects, especially in Iki, who, you know, I'm going to start calling Trent Williams light. <laughs> this young man, man, he even said he modeled his game after Trent. Uh, he's he's going to be a blast to watch. And they, they come away with, uh, you know, six overall players, two trades. Um, I thought just an excellent weekend for Scott Fitterer, his entire scouting department, and, and a, a list of, of people inside that department, Dan Morgan, Pat Stewart, Cole Spencer, uh, just Samir Suleiman, guys who have been working at this for 11 months, and this was their culminating moment, and, and I thought they came away with a really nice class. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give him a B plus. I think, yeah. you know, the fact that they that Ika Mekwanu fell was a great uh, thing for them. You know, addressed their major need, um, and then they got somebody who was considered first round talent, possibly second round talent, in the third round. I thought were were really good, I, and I agree. I think the fact that they didn't have a second round pick is what what gives right. me from giving it an A. But I think they did well for for what they had. Yeah, um, and they felt like Brandon Smith dropped too, so that was a a good get too. And they got a lot of guys with with freakish talent and speed. Um, I, I, get, I was just gonna ask, do you have a favorite pick outside of the the tackle and quarterback? Uh, um, Ika Mekwanu is my favorite pick, but uh, outside of that, you know, I do like that you can get the fastest guy in the. You know, I, they didn't really need a cornerback, but um, you, you get a seven round pick who's the fastest guy with a four two two. Um, forty yard dash. Um, who you know? Some people said drop two, and yeah. Rule has familiarity with him, so he knew what he's capable of. I thought that was a good pickup too. And the guy who seems like he has a good attitude, who's confident in himself, and uh, knows what he wants to do to get better. So, you know, all around, I thought it was pretty good. So, um, you know, I, one one thing I think about this Panthers team, I was looking down the roster. I think they're a lot deeper than they were in previous years. I think if you look. You know, so four of the guys they had starting last year on the offensive line are now primary backups. Yeah. So when you have guys who have starting experience um, who are now your primary backups, I think that's good depth-wise uh, for them. So I think the Panthers will be a better team. Will it be a playoff team? I, I think it will depend on the quarterback playing, to be honest, because I think the offensive line is going to be a lot better. So it's going to be – I actually think that puts a lot more pressure on Sam Darnold to perform. Um, couldn't so. agree more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, I just wonder if Sam Darnold, you know, now the debate starts, who starts week one for the Carolina Panthers? And if they had Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield in here, it'd be a, a, a lot more clear. And this would be a, a Matt Corral developmental season. But now, you know, Matt's got a, a real opportunity to just go out and win this job in a way Russell Wilson won it uh, in Seattle when, when Scott was there. You know, Matt came out after Matt Rule after the draft and said, we're going to bring Matt along slowly. He's got a lot to learn. You know, there's no rush here, but the calls for Matt Corral will really pick up, you know, as soon as we see that first Sam Darnold interception or the untimely turnover or not, you know, finishing a drive and, and, and getting them in field goal range, whatever it is. And it could happen as soon as preseason, who knows? Um, but you can just imagine this fan base is going to be itching to get uh, Matt Corral out there and, and finally stop this, uh, musical chairs uh, of starting quarterbacks because they won't have musical chairs at left tackle anymore, considering uh, the talent they're bringing in. Nikki. 
Yeah, I think they're they're a lot. Just given the fact that they're a lot more positioned to win this year than they were last year, I don't think the lease showing Sam Brown is going to be very long. You know, he he has two bad games, and I for sure think he's out of there. So um, it'll be interesting. I, I do think at some point Matt Corral will be the starter, um, but you know we'll see how that goes. Um, you know that's what we have for the show. Any parting words, Elvis, before we head out? No, man, just that it was a great weekend. We appreciate y'all reading and listening. And we've got about 10 days till rookie minicamp. And I can't wait till we see these guys uh, on the field for the first time. And and we'll get another show to you guys uh, in between that.